millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. After getting a seat at the table, your very own Mario Puzo and Francis Ford Coppola of podcasting are back to discuss episode two of the Paramount Plus limited series, The Offer. This episode is entitled Warning Shots. And like the first, it was directed by Dexter Fletcher uh, with a teleplay by Michael Tolkien, Leslie Griff, um, Nikki Toscano and Kevin J. Hines. We established the key cast members in the last episode, but joining the family this week, we have Anthony Ippolito as Al Pacino, Stephanie Koenig as Andrea Eastman, and David uh, and Danny Nucci as Congressman Mario Biaggi. Back with me for wine and hopefully a fun time is Will Chich. How are we doing today, Will? Good, yourself? I am very, very well. I mean, I'm excited. I'm, I'm enjoying this, this, this journey we're going on, and uh, it's kind of yeah. As we were chatting about off mic, it's inspired me to kind of can we talk to yeah, or can we talk to the cast members of this? Like, uh, and uh, <laughs> I've, I've, I'm not going to say who yet because obviously I like to get stuff in the 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 can before before I do, but. We've got a key player from this series interested about coming on the podcast, which is exciting stuff, right? It is, yeah. Very exciting. And uh, so, so yeah, how's your, how, how's your week been? And how, how have you felt about um, the first episode of The Offer in that week? Is it kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, have you, uh, has it stayed with you or have you felt like it's uh, diminished? Or yeah. Anything? No, I think so. I've, no, I, I've, like we said on the first episode, like, like I was settled in, I know what the show is and what to expect. I'm fully on board with it. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, I, yeah I'm bored. Uh, amazing. Well, but yeah, before we get into talking about this episode, there's a little bit of housekeeping we've got to get uh, out of the way at the beginning, and that is talking about some wine. <laughs> Well, what wine you got this week? This week I have gone Italian, Ooh. and I've got a, I've got a little Chianti. Not a little Chianti, a little Chianti. <laughs> I was gonna say, have you got like a kind of uh, like a hotel, uh, like a miniature? No, nah, I've got a miniature. Maybe towards the end of the month. Um, <laughs> I've got a yeah, a little Chianti. So yeah, and it's a. Uh, 2020 
Oh, nice. I, I feel a bit it's posh. It's got a, it's got a cork. So yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, how, yeah. How much, how much, how much, how much is a, a bottle of the little Chianti costing you? Four pounds, 69. Ooh, 69. Yes, please. One for the third. Four pounds, 69. <laughs> yep. And bit of blue. In my, in my glass this week, I have, um, 19 crimes. It just says a 2020 red wine. It doesn't, it doesn't go with anything of, there's no like kind of, do you know what I mean? There's no name to it. It's not like a kind of Savion Blanc or anything like that. It just says red wine. Um, cost me a cost me. A, it's, it's, a, it's a fancy bottle. We we were talking about it before, weren't we? It's a it's a, it's a lovely bit of stuff. Um, seven pounds as well. Uh, got it on a got it on a yellow ticket in in Asda. So so it was, it was marked down. I'm not sure what the regular price is, but. I'm a sucker if anything's reduced in price. Do you know what I mean? It offer. Oh hell yeah! Yes, please. Um, and it is. Uh, yeah, let's. How's how's your wine taste? Let's have a let's have a little sip. Oh, it's all right. It's nice, easy. A little bit of spice. Yeah, all right. It's all right. Yeah, I'd say. There's definitely a dryness to this wine, but there's a juiciness mm. as well. I would, I would say, going off of last week's wine, I've done a step up, and uh, I guess we need to figure out if episode two of the offer is a step up or is it level pegging with the episode before. So, um, yeah, where, 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 where do you, where do you want to start with this episode, Will? Or do you want to, do you want to, do you want to go through the beats? Do you want to talk about, uh, yeah, what do you, what, 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 what do you want to talk about? Any burning, any burning uh, topics? There's a lot in this episode, so maybe we should do it step by step because plot wise, there's quite a lot goes on. There is indeed. Um, I must ask you before we get going as well: Is have you started listening to Fat Tony? reading the godfather yet i haven't i've downloaded it's ready but i've had i've had quite the week so <laughs> it's ready to go so yeah next week when uh, potentially i might be having a slightly hungover week not because of the wine because of other things i'm doing this weekend but yeah so next week is um the week i'm gonna blast through this and fat tony amazing amazing uh so yeah that's Let's chat about how this episode begins. So we get uh, Joe Colombo at an a, um, Italian-American Civil Rights League rally. And has some has some stern words about The Godfather. He says that the book is full of lies and Mario Puzo is a traitor to Italian-Americans. Um, how, how are we feeling about uh, Giovanni Rabisi? His character, obviously we had uh, a lot of, a lot of stuff to say about the way like he's portrayed Joe Colombo. Like, is he growing on you? Is he, is he? It is growing on me. I mean, I think initially, as I said before, I think initially it was the, I wasn't sure how this, this show was going to pan out with his tone. So that initial meeting of um, Joe Colombo, we were like, Oh, that's uh, quite a caricature. What? But, he is growing on me. I, I, yeah, I, I quite. As this episode goes on, he's still very buried in his shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> he's full of lies. Mario Puzo's a traitor. Like he's very much like we're, he's, we're talking out the side he's, of his mouth. 
Yeah, he's gradually going further and further into his body. Yeah, he's like a... I think... He's like a compressed accordion. Do you know what I mean? You just need to, like, yeah. pull him back out again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That. And uh, Yeah, I, I don't know if he's going disac- to disappear completely by the end of it into, like, his own shell. I'm not sure, because it's getting further and further. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with his performance a bit more in this episode. And the, yeah, the, 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 I guess the, the next scene we get to is looking at the ramifications of that kind of cliffhanger from the previous episode. Obviously, um, the Italian mob had hired Mickey Cohen to shoot out the window of um, Al Ruddy's car as a warning shot that they shouldn't be making. Yes, we see what I did there. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, they shouldn't be making The Godfather. So I uh, I, I wanted to talk about this scene because these two cops, like, I don't know if they're going to turn up again, these two FBI men, but what a couple of fucking scene stealers these guys are, right? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're rolling, wandering around the car. It was, yeah, it was, yeah. I hope they do come back. Yeah, because, like, it, I need more of them. I think it's an Al Ruddy ass. He's like, he's like, what are you bothering? He's like, what are you bothering us? Not, not going after Mickey Cohen. He's like, that's it. It's just a suspicion for now. And then, <laughs> I really like fucking like one of them sitting on the bonnet of the car, like a real fucking big, like big swinging dick, and he kind of like, oh, yeah. yeah, with a with a raised eyebrow. Yeah, a raised eyebrow, like so, and, and like really assumption as well. He's like, it's off a sign. Do could it be with your business? Or could it be about something personal? And I looks at Betty as if to be like, you're fucking the wrong dame here, fella. He's really like, I don't like accusatory. Do you know what I mean? Like the kind of like, yeah, the worst kind of cops, right? It's like, they've come to help you, but they might as well just fucking slam you against the bonnet of the car and be like, do you know what I mean? Like, you want our fucking help, do your sunshine? Yeah. And she says, um, the Jewel Temple, she says, um, well, they tried to, they tried to kill us. And he gives her the whole. If they were to kill you, they would have killed you. This is a, a warning shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with the still with the raised eyebrow. It's a real, yeah. <laughs> and then um then we get uh yeah, reintroduced to Mario and Francis, who are who are hard at work on the script uh, for The Godfather. Well, at least Francis is, right? It seems that Mario's uh, it's, preoccupied with, with with other things on his mind. This was one of my favourite scenes in the episode because it properly made me laugh when Francis was doing his whole... the, the, the whole uh, the, the thing about King Lear. Uh, and Mario Puzu says, did you eat my ham sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. Really funny. I could... I could watch those two eight episodes of just those two writing it because it's so good. Yeah, it's it's not so much an odd couple because they are almost like a perfect match as well, aren't they? They're kind of like yeah, it'd be like um, I don't know, it'd be like step brothers without the conflict. Just these two guys who really get on, <laughs> just like hanging out, like eating eating lavish food and like talking about yeah. talking about this script, like. There'll be an, a, like a moment in episode two where they just go, oh, my God, have we just become best friends? <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I I love watching those two. I think they're 
is probably funny as well. And I think it does speak to like the true life uh, facts of Mario Puzo and Francis Ford Coppola. I think they did bond over the fact that they're both Italian Americans, but obviously, I don't know, they're very much, and despite obviously like, the reservations of the mob in this, them themselves like are kind of reluctant about that stereotypical view of italian americans as these mobsters and that which i find is like a kind of irony throughout this right that obviously puzo didn't really want yeah. to write it francis didn't want to uh direct it like he's like uh like i uh, i don't like this like yeah I don't well, they, yeah this and there's there's whole scenes of them discussing about like um but we don't want to be stereotypical. We don't want to make them stereotypical Italian American mobsters. And then every scene of the mobsters is they are stereotypical Italian mobsters. Rizvi's talking like this, and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> We're having meetings in this darkened room. Like, like you come, you you better put a fucking another zero on that check. Like, <laughs> you better have yeah. something better to say to me than that meatball. Yeah, that was it. Your meatball. Yeah, that that is a little bit stereotypical, you know. <laughs> what what I love um about this scene is obviously yeah, it kind of I don't know, leads us in with that great little like joke about the, the ham sandwich. But then it really kind of shows us Francis's fears of like the studio involvement in the film and like obviously sets out his pitch of what the film will be, right? Like a kind of scathing takedown of um, capitalist America. And um, and it ends on like a really beautiful note as well, like a bittersweet note where he says to Mario, like, I love you, Mario, but I have to keep reminding myself that this is a, this is a paycheck job. Um, Yeah. And it makes me like, it makes me feel bad and I hate it just keep working and it's like oh man like what a fucking kicker do you know what i mean like yeah and like that that scene it is that that the did you eat my ham sandwich is really funny but like you said it i think maybe in the first episode maybe i was a little bit with i said about it because i've said it being a really breezy and i there are some you can see there is some proper emotional beats in this in this episode especially over the first one there's some stuff you can see there is a through line coming with, like you say, his struggles with making the film and his, yeah. So that it, the tone is quite light, but there is some stuff in this episode, especially which is yeah, quite quite heavy. There is some heavy stuff in there. Yeah, no, I guess like like we said, obviously, like there are there are roadblocks throughout like all of this, but we inevitably know. The outcome of this story so uh obviously won't, uh, won't talk about that too much because yeah that, that, that is the thing and um i was chatting to someone yesterday and they said like oh maybe i'll give it a watch like um but it's like really had a kicking like a lot of reviews like give it a kick in i was like you know what it's it's fluffy it's fun and it is very much like for people like myself and i imagine you like that it's dealing with a subject that we like we're interested in right like these kind of stories of films getting made and stuff yeah exactly and like i think we said it before the the some of the kicking it's got is because of its light tone and the the cameos 
from people like it last episode we had the but like I said before, that's kind of the thing I'm I'm on board with. I think it's it's fun and I'm kind of like I'd be happy with more of that people popping in and yeah. Yeah, I I enjoy it. Yeah, I got a lot of time for that. So um the next scene we move to here is Al and Betty having a drink and Al tells Betty this story about they're obviously shooken up by the whole Mickey Cohen situation. And uh Al Al kind so again you get to you get to understand Al a bit more, this kind of like fear that he's got as well. And I think it's kind of a good like um partner scene with the one before because you see that both men like who are kind of shepherding this film in Francis and Al kind of have the same fear of kind of going back to the where they were, right? Like Francis is worried to just like go back to being in debt and Al Ruddy is worried about going back to the Rand Corporation. But then you see I don't know, Al's got this like determination in him because he tells that story about how a bully said he was gonna beat him up, but he just went for it anyway. And like still got his ass handed to him, but like he did it, right? Yeah. He still he still went. And it's kinda of like, oh yeah, that Yeah, it's a that's a funny little that's a funny little beating quiet. Again, I think that's the, it highlights the, the tone of the show. I mean, it's a funny little beat when she, she Juno Temple's character says, "Oh, let me guess, you kicked his ass," and he's like, "No, oh, I got my ass fucking kicked," and you're like, <laughs> "Oh," but it was the point is he did he had a go, but it's it's a funny line. What What do you think of the chemistry between um, uh, Juno Temple and Miles Teller? Because obviously, like, it's interesting to see a platonic like and it's almost like a mutual respect relationship as opposed to a romantic do you know what I mean like normally a couple of leads there would be like um like a te- like a sexual tension between them but it feels like this show isn't doing that between those two right no exactly i don't think there's that like you said with you kind of expect as soon as this is happening is that the whole will they or won't they scenario oh will they get it and i don't think that's it at all i think there is like you said there is a and if anything the Judas temple character is the stronger character because she knows stuff and she's basically helping him do you know what I mean it, it is a, there is is yeah it's just a platonic thing there's a mutual respect but yeah she's almost the brains of the operation uh-huh yeah, but yeah, and, and back to my original. What do you think of their chemistry as actors? Like, do they? I think their scenes are really good. I think, yeah, I, I, I haven't, I, I haven't read many of the reviews, so I don't know. But I personally think it works. I think their scenes are really good together. Yeah. Juno Town was always great. Miles Teller's good, but Juno Town was always good. Yes. But yeah, I, I think it works. She's got like a liveliness to her, right? And she's kind of like every mm. time she's on screen, it kind of like she brightens it up and like that character i don't know she's a she always acts like a kind of like audience conduit at times as well because she is kind of like ever knowing about stuff and she's like obviously mentioned stuff that like the audience already know as well she's like oh yeah this like this person it's almost like she's like might as well just be going wink wink to the audience at times yeah she's like she's like our in uh-huh yeah, yeah. to the whole thing yeah yeah, I really like that about that. Um, so yeah, it's established that Al Ruddy is like he kind of says like she's yeah she asks him, "Are you going to go punch Mickey Cohen?" He's like, "No, but I am going to go talk to him." Um, 
which late like i don't know we we yeah we can we can talk about that scene and then double back to i don't know um i guess the scene that comes next is an interesting one because i don't know if it establishes anything for the plot but i'd be interested to know what you think it kind of does to to the portrayal of robert evans but we get we get again again it's, it's a really cool fucking looking scene but it's robert evans going to this kind of party in the hollywood hills uh set to can you hear me knocking by the rolling stones and yeah what, what do you what do you what do you make of this this party scene yeah i mean it is not it, it adds nothing to the plot of this episode bar just a little hint of Robert Evans. That's basically it. Um, I can again, Robert. He's so good in this. And this, I don't know if we did. Like, I haven't watched any more, but like, um, I don't know if we were getting a slight hint at Robert Evans, maybe sleazier aspects and his little because there's a bit where she says, "I just want to be in the movies," and he says. You're already in the movies, <laughs> and you go, oh, okay. And she goes, don't. And I, whether that's it, which we're just seeing that there is this not darker side to him, but it, it, excessive side to Mister Evans. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think uh, I, I can, I can only imagine like because this scene doesn't really drive the plot or anything like that. It was just Dexter Fletcher going, do you know, it'd be a really cool scene for this episode. Do you know, I'd really like to shoot. Yeah. Is like, and it's quite Scorsese. Yes. Well, yeah. I think I think the fact that it's scored yeah. by uh, the Rolling Stones helps that, right? Yeah. Yeah, and they say, yeah, it's got that the vibe of the the Goodfellas stuff. That, that Scorsese vibe. Like, yeah, I think it doesn't do anything for the plot. But yeah, if but then I suppose if you if you're Dexter Fletcher and you'd be given, why not do that scene? Yeah. Because the more Evans, the better. Yeah. He's um. I'm I'm really loving Matthew Good so far in this series. It's Robert Evans, and I'm sure we'll get we'll get into some more of his kind of um, shenanigans throughout this uh, yeah. this chat. Um, so the, yeah, then we then we we get like, we get we get we get this scene between Al and Francois talking about um, the Mickey Cohen situation, and Francois tells us. Well, yeah, tell, tells him and in part tells the audience like her 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 tale and her run in with Mickey Cohen back in the day. And again, like, how do you think this 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 scene establishes who she is? Like, because I guess we get to know a little bit more about her, especially in this episode. There's kind of two kind of key pivotal scenes to get to know Francoise a bit better. Yeah, because it, in the first episode, she there's not. She's not much of a character, but again, we're developed, we're getting to see more of her, and her, again, there's another like I said, there's two there's two scenes in this where we get to learn a lot more about her and her role in how this is going to pan out and how things have panned out. But yeah, I quite like this scene because again, it, it I think the female characters have got more to do in this episode. Temple is. Definitely, but like you say, she is our in, and yeah, the Francois character is, yeah, there's just more to it. You're learning more about her, and she's obviously, I like I say, I don't know, I haven't seen any more than this, but I think maybe she'll become more pivotal in how things will go, and it also gives us a little insight into 
what's gone on before with Cohen as a um, threatening character. Yeah, and she's she's pretty fucking badass, right? Because he he obviously said to her like, mm. "Let me be your supplier for your kitchen." She's like, "No, like I'm not." And he's like, "Well, you better find some, you better find some like some protection then." And uh, her response, "Yeah, was, I survived the Nazis. Do you think I'm afraid of you?" And then just poured him a glass of champagne. They clinked glasses, and she never saw him again. Like, what a fucking badass! <laughs> that is pretty badass, yeah. <laughs> um, but one of, one of the things like I find, I don't know. She's she's really got a bee in her bonnet, especially in this episode about Al hiding something, right? And it's like, what is like, what is the suspicion about? Like, what is he hiding that he hasn't told her at this point? Well, yeah, and it, initially you like it would be in these kind of things. You go, oh, it's because he thinks she thinks he's sleeping with someone else, or maybe it's, but it's not that. She's just determined that he is hiding something. But as you say, he's not really. She's pretty in the loop with things. Well, as we said in that first episode, like they would have got together pre Hogan's Heroes. So we're if we if we're to believe that they've been like in the kind of timeline of things, they've possibly been together like five years at this point. Oh yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it is. It, I think that's like a bit, a bit thingy because it's. I don't know. It's it's a hard one to tackle because it's like what we've seen of them. The kind of like we've only seen a few scenes of them. It feels like they're still in the early stages of their relationship. Yeah, for now you've said it. I, you forget that the the time scale and the time frame of this show is. I think it's slowed down now, but in that first episode, yeah, but it, especially, it was like we've we rocketed through some time. So yeah, we're we're we're, we're getting a pace now. But yeah, it's, as you say, it's easy to forget that yeah, they must have been together for five years. Yeah, unless they so, like condensed all of that time into like oh, that was only a couple of years, but like that, yeah. Even so, they've been they've they've been together for the whole production of a film, which you can imagine is like from inception to release is at least a year. Do you know what I mean? So like, they've they've been they've been yeah, they've, they've been dating for at least two years or five at the most. Like, <laughs> not in this in the second week. Uh-huh. Yeah, they've been together a while. They they know the ins and outs of the ins and outs of things. But yeah, it's easy to forget that and yeah. But he's act, like you say, he's not actually, he's not hiding a lot. It's all out there. Yeah. Um, so what do you what do you make of the scene where Al goes to meet um, Mickey Cohen? Like, did you, did you like? Obviously, it's another mobster, but this time we got an L, we got the we got a flavor of L.A. Right. Yeah. I, again, Miles Teller is pretty good at this. Again, we go back to I have no idea how Army Ham was ever going to be this character. Uh-huh. Yeah, still can't get my head around it at all. But yeah, Miles Teller is good, and you get another sense of um, Miles Teller becoming a bit more savvy, a bit more of a Robert Evans character, where he is quite not to be fucked with. They, I guess in this episode, and there'll be there's a there's a there's a pivotal scene between 
Al Ruddy and Robert Evans, where it's kind of he's given license to really lean into being like a producer. Do you know what I mean? As opposed yeah. to like, just like, yeah, just go along, do what you got to do. He's like, he kind of gives him this speech where it's like, no, you got to do anything. Like, we're, we're, and we're not these guys. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that and talk, talk, talk about that scene in a bit more detail. Um, yeah, I think there's a, a great tension in this scene between him and Cohen. Cause obviously like it does, it's the, it's the first time obviously as an audience we've been, we are aware of the kind of the mob's feelings towards what's going on. But I think this is the first time, obviously, that Al is explicitly aware that there are people who are vehemently against the making of The Godfather. Yeah, it's the first time it's properly laid out on the laid out on the table to him exactly who is not happy and why they're not happy. So it's we get the Sinatra mention uh-huh. that Frank is not keen. So, yeah, it's the first time we get in a real sense. He, well, as about him, Ruddy is getting a real sense of this isn't going to go away. They are the boys are pissed. They're not happy at all about it, and they just want it. Just don't make the movie. Yeah, because like he kind of has that. Uzo's a traitor. traitor. Don't make the movie. And he has that closing line to Al Ruddy where he says, like, be a straight shooter with these guys because they don't fire warning shots. And it's like, oh, okay, okay. So mm-hmm. Joe Colombo and his guys, they don't fire warning shots. We, we just go straight, we go straight for the juggler. And just they say warning shots quite a lot, just in case we weren't aware that this episode is called Warning Shots. Yeah, do you reckon that was... There's a lot of mentions of Yeah. Was that the name of the script, or they were like, you know what's been said in this episode quite a lot is warning shots. Like, let's just yeah, is it? Yeah, let's call this episode warning shots, shall we? I'll call it warning shots. Yeah, but yeah, in as you say, they don't fire warning shots, so you you get you get another sense of um, there's a genuine potential threat Mm -hmm. from the uh, your boys. So. we get, and it was yeah, it was mentioned earlier on in the episode when Mario and Francis were talking that they had this production meeting about like what was going to happen, and um, so the players, the people we have there, we so we have Bob Evans, we have um, Peter Bart, yeah, we get introduced to Andrea Eastman, who is the um, head of casting at Paramount, uh, Betty McCart's there, Francis and Mario, and they're talking about. Francis goes into this great speech about like how he sees the script about this balance between light and dark and how we've got like Connie's wedding we've got the whole thing with Michael that like and Peter Bart kind of pipes up and he's like yeah he's just come back from like World War Two. he's like a beacon of light and stuff like that and it's about how he kind of moves towards darkness and it's kind of like I don't know, you really get that sense of passion from Francis, right? Yeah. Like what he wants to do. And the fact that he's adamant that he should wear the uniform because the uniform is a, that represents hope after this great depression. And, yeah, it's, you really get a sense of Francis is... He's taken the picture, but he's really started, like passionate about the film. And also, it's I love the fact that the first time we see Pooh's on that meeting, 
he's smashing a pastry. <laughs> yeah, he kind of throughout this episode, he kind of has these like it's almost like this running gag of like Puzo with food, right? The kind of opening line he yeah. is about the ham sandwich. You kind of like got him subtly eating pastry. You got a, a scene yeah. later where he's trying to eat a slice of cake and stuff like that. Like, yeah, yeah, I, it's, yeah. Um, but it's not all fun and games at this meeting because it is. It's interrupted by Barry Lapidus, as we mentioned last week, played by Colin Hanks and Jack Ballard, who is the, I guess, like another company stooge, right? He's like Barry Lapidus's right hand man. Yeah, yeah, they both, and they both arrive and just float into the room. Yes. There's all Colin Hanks. (laughs) Yeah, he literally, it's a proper gun. And he just comes in, but I really Colin Hanks is playing dick well in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 he's good, and I think it's interesting. Like, as a like, I don't know. Do you reckon there's an element of him that's like, oh, my dad has made a career of being like, do you know what I mean? Everyone's kind of like nice uncle. It's like oh, I'm gonna kind of buck against that and like play these arseholes and stuff because he is a real dick in this and he does play it well yeah he plays it really well i really kind of um it's got quite a slappable face yeah like you know it. he's got that that real it, it, every line delivery is smug and you know and, bit, and especially like like when when he comes into the room and like he's like um, oh yeah nice of you to pop by and he's like well it's it's this meeting it's actually why we're here it's like a kind of like oh well yeah well yeah like well yeah Bob like we're we're here for this and then fucking Jack like both of I like if anything I think those two characters especially from this scene I would just like to grab their heads clack them together because they're a couple of arseholes with their kind of. <laughs> All they care about is like the budget of the film, and um, Jack Ballard starts talking about like the changes he wants to make and how they can get it into budget. What are the changes he proposes? Will well, the uh, not New York, not filming in New York. That's a no go. Too expensive, and change the period. Make it change yeah, the period, but make it contemporary. Uh, more right? co- contemporary, and he comes back from Nam. Oh. That's what they wanted, and but the the thing is, like, I don't know if it's like rewatching it. Like, you see, and I guess because like Coppola hasn't really interacted or hasn't seen the things we've seen with Bob Evans. It's like the way he reacts. You can tell Bob Evans is very much doing like, oh yeah. Like, uh-huh, yeah, Barry, yeah, 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 that, that sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, thank, yeah, yeah, great, we'll take that on board. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll take that. Like, he's kind, of, he's kind of there, like, we'll take that on board, darling. Yeah, 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 we got it. No more, we got it. Um, and Coppola's incensed, right? He's like, fuck this, I'm getting out of here. Like, uh... <laughs> yeah. I, I, I really enjoy that you're... Bob Evans' impression is getting more like Jackie Stallone every... Yeah, I need to work on my Bob it's, Evans. I, I really, no, really... sir. It, no, it's, I'm not sure if it's him, because, like, as we said, he's getting more and more nasally. It's, 
more and more. And I think it's, yeah, it's throughout the weeks. But again, he's, like you say, he's doing his thing. Where he's like, yeah, fine, whatever. But we kind of know he ain't going to, he's, he's not going to stand for it. He don't give a shit. He don't, yeah, he don't, he, he don't give a shit nah. what Barry's got to say. Like, uh, and w- one of the things I wanted to talk about, and I think it's a really nice touch, especially for like nerds like me, of like uh, really like research the Godfather and kind of. There's an amazing uh, book and audio. It's called The Godfather Notebook, and we get a glimpse of it here, which is that um, his like his version of the script he has, or like his kind of book that 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 like ring binder he'd like place on the desk because i think like bob evans says like oh nice paperweight uh francis like <laughs> but that is that is that is something that existed and what coppola actually did was uh went through the book so he got two copies of the book to be able to do this um got big pieces of like got, yeah got larger pieces of card and what he'd do is is cut out every single page of the book and stick the pages to the card and then what he would do is is kind of highlight stuff and then can write stuff in the margins like taking the book and basically using that as a template for the script and how he would shoot the film and it was something that he had picked up from his days of working in like um theater in college like so it's something a lot of like theater directors will do is kind of because obviously they're figuring out staging lighting cues and stuff like that they'll take the script and put it on larger pieces of card so they can really go through it and like figure out what they're doing it's almost like a kind of the the bible for the production and i i I like that as like it's throwaway right like you kind of get the joke from bob evans but it's that thing if if you're a nerd yeah because i i i wasn't aware of that do you know i just i thought it was a throwaway thing because the he slams it on the table and, you know, it's just, it was a throwaway line. But, see, I would have met, like we said before, this show is fun and it's easy watching. It's real just goes on. But there obviously is stuff for nerds, as you say. But, you know I mean, it is obviously, it's not, it is breezy, but it's, they haven't messed about research and stuff because there is there is these things in yeah yeah and I've like and it's something like I don't know I, I I'm always fascinated there's like an audio there's an audiobook version about it where Coppola goes through some of the like uh, uh like pages and like talks about his process of how it how he put together the book and stuff like that and it's actually it's actually read by him and it's like really really great like to listen to. And um, mm. again, uh, the, the person he uses to read out like sections of the screenplay and stuff like that, or like when he's doing it, Fat Tony from The Simpsons, uh, somebody like oh, um, more Fat Tony. Yeah, uh, what's, oh, you know. I'm trying to think what the actor's name is because he does he does pop up in uh, Godfather Part Three. So uh, uh, who is the, who is the voice? Of, is it Joe? No, not Joe. Yeah, it is Joe something. Yeah. Joe, 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 Man- Joe Man- Mantegna. Yeah, Joe Mantegna. Yeah. It is, isn't it? Yeah, from, yeah. from Criminal Minds. Yeah. Yeah
part three. Like, uh, <laughs> um, so we get Francis storm out of the meeting, and then Evan, uh, Al Ruddy walk in, and we get yeah, we get this kind of confrontation between Coppola, which leads into a kind of confrontation between Al Ruddy and uh, Bob Evans about like you're not believing in the artistic integrity of Coppola and um, leads to this moment, which I think is a real like turning point for Al and kind of solidifies the attitude to filmmaking that uh, Bob Evans has. Buddy, how did you get into my office? Hmm? What do you mean? You got in because you did something that's not done. You saw something that you wanted and you went for it. Woof! You and I are not like these corporate fucks. We don't play by the book. We write the fucking book. Now, you want to be a great producer. You do whatever it takes to get your movie made the way you want to do it. Now, you want New York. Go there. Make some deals. Prove that you can do it for the money. Beg, borrow. I don't give a fuck. Steal. You do whatever it takes. Now, you don't have a long track record. But you got brains and you got balls. Try using both, preferably at the same time. I love it. I love it. You got brains and you got balls. <laughs> yeah, it's the drawn out balls. I like that. And I love, I like, I love that idea. Like, the thing is that, like, I don't know, they are kind of two sides of the same coin, even though, like, I don't know, Bob Evans is a lot more assured in himself, whereas Ruddy is like kind of, I don't know, Ruddy feels like he'd punch you, whereas like Bob Evans would be like, I'm going to ruin your career. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, what do you kind of, what do, what do, what do you make of that speech? Of Matthew Good, like, I don't know, I could talk about Matthew Good for a good solid hour. Yeah. Matthew Good is smashing it in this. He's so good because it's. I know we said it before, but he is. It's such a big performance, but it's not. It's a good performance because it it is big and it is. But then Robert Evans was a big character. Well, that, yeah, like, but it, it, the visual look. It of don't. That. Yeah, no. Just say I don't think it, it. It. It's massive, but it doesn't go over that line where it's. So ridiculous that it's like well, when, it's, it, it's the right level of ridiculous. Well, when you look at like actual photos of Bob Evans, like he was ridiculously tanned. Like I think if anything, they toned mm. it down for this because he was like kind of Dale Winton levels of like tan. Do you know what I mean? Or who's the bloke who used to host uh, Bargain Hunt? Um, David Dickinson. David Dickinson. Yeah, he kind of he kind of had that complexion, like a mahogany. Like he looked ridiculous, yeah. and like these white teeth, and kind of like always wore like tinted shades and <laughs> stuff like that. And like, yeah, Bob Evans was a madman, and I think like Matthew Good has kind of captured that. And it's like I don't know, I know, yeah, I know Bob Evans could be a bit of a, and I'm sure we'll get to see could could be a bit of a fucking prick as well. <laughs> um, Me. He does capture that though. There is a, there is a quality to it, but it, he is a prick. He is an, a bit of an arse. But I think the way he's played, and you can understand that he is 
likable and he's likable as a character. I can, right? not likable as a yeah, exactly. Not not as a, as a character, and you you do want to watch more of it. Like yeah. he's the character every time he's on screen. I think oh, here we go, here he is. Well, I think it's that that's why it's, it's like it's got that aspect of like Scorsese films, right? Where it's like, oh, these are good fellows. Like these are not good guys. These are not like actual good fellas, but like they are entertaining to watch. Do you know what I mean? Like Joe Pesci as a fucking madman or like, yeah. He's a real piece of shit, but I want to watch him. Funny how, funny how. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) yeah. So every time he's on screen, although I know I, yeah, he's a, Fuck, yeah, we well, and we know that he's a not a great guy, but I do want to watch him, and I think that is that Matthew Good is his performance is good, so yeah. <laughs> um, I guess, yeah, we get this next scene, which is again, is there's a couple of scenes in this where I'm like, is this just supposed to? I guess they're like establishing scenes of who the characters are, but you get uh, Joe Colombo with that guy coming in to like donate some money to the to the league and it like again it doesn't push the plot forward but just kind of shows us what joe's about right because he and, and how kind of invested he is in this league but it kind of says to the guy he's ten 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 thousand dollars that's a fucking insult like you had another zero on that check okay okay I, I know how much fucking money you owe i know how much money you want motherfucker and it calls over the next a... guy, doesn't he? He's like, like, you better have some better news for me than this fucking meatball. Go stand at the As he dis- disappears further and further into the fucking chair. Yeah. My fucking Giovanni Rabisha played Joe Colombo, okay? Okay, my fucking Joe Colombo. <laughs> he is getting sweatier and more shoulders. Yeah, I guess Giovanni hey. Rabisi's not coming on this podcast to see. <laughs> He's good. He's good. Yeah, he's he's good. just. He's good. Yeah, he's good. He's, he's just, sweaty. It's fun to. Uh, it, it's fun to to mimic that role. And if, I guess I don't, know, I don't know. Did we talk about like? Obviously, the character of Joe Colombo, but like Giovanni Rabisi as an actor, I find like fascinating because he does take these like really interesting roles, right? And like, I'm trying to think. Like, I don't know. What was the first thing you ever saw him in? I'm just trying to think about like him as an actor. Maybe I don't. He was he was in Friends, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did he play one of? He was Phoebe's Phoebe's brother. Yes, he was. was. Yeah. 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 He he. Phoebe had his babies. I don't think I've made that up. Phoebe was gonna carry his babies, and he had the older. That's. Yeah, I remember. I remember. And I'm, I'm trying. To, was he in the Oce, was it Ocean's films? No, he wasn't. That was someone else. But yeah, that's like he might be think, in no. Ocean's films. Yeah, yeah. Is he? Is he the one who is not? Is he, he's bro? No, it's no. It's this Affleck. It's Casey Affleck, isn't it? Casey yeah. Affleck. He's yeah. in. He's in God yeah. in sixty seconds, though, right? He plays. He oh. Plays, he plays Memphis. He plays Memphis Rain's younger brother. Yes, he's the one who like gets them into the shit, right? That's it. And uh, oh, at least in Avatar, 
Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think he's interesting. He's done a bit. I remember seeing him crop up in. It's not a. It's not a good film, and I'm not going to dwell too much on two of the leads in this film. But uh, he's in the film Rum Diary, which is a adaptation of a Hunter S. Thompson novel. Hunter S. Thompson. Um, but like he just plays a fucking madman in that, and I guess there's like a aspect of him, yeah, like where he just I don't know wants to do these like weird roles and i know he's like yeah he's a, he's a season regular on that show sneaky pete as well isn't he like i don't know he's got yeah fat yeah but, uh, so you know i've just been looking looking through his filmography and he has i mean he's got a he's good and stuff and he has got a vibe even in the friend stuff he's there's a definite vibe of like he's slightly unhinged and he does, there's definitely in this, you can see, especially in this, it's a, it's, it's a bit of a throwaway scene, but it does give you that sense that he's on the edge. Uh-huh. There's a definite, like, he could, and he plays it well because he could blow at any time. And he's got that vibe about him, even though he's all shoulders, but you can sense that he's, he's a dangerous guy. And obviously some, some like, level of... um commitment to the role so like he's definitely put on some timber for this right he's definitely like been sat there drinking uh like waiting for waiting for ben and jerry's to melt and just drinking it to pack on the pounds really quickly (laughs) oh yeah he's 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 a chunky little fucker in this he's definitely put on like you say a bit of cake though yeah yeah i'm into it i'm into it um that, yeah, the the next scene we have is the first of the two kind of casting meetings because I guess the thing that they're trying to figure out now is who the fuck is going to be in this and they're talking about prospects for who can play the Don and the names are floated about, Danny Thomas and all of these are kind of rebuffed by Coppola so he's like, no, nah, he's a comedy actor. Anthony Quinn, he's like, well, no, he's like half Mexican. He's like, oh, he's played Lebanese, he's played... He's played Greek. He's played this, and then uh, Olivier's brought up, like saying that because I know that in in actuality, I think they did approach Olivier at one point, and like, but was too ill. But it's kind of done in this as kind of a bit of a throwaway thing, and I guess that's where Betty McCart, the character, comes in as like the kind of audience, like, like if you've researched, you know the real story that like Olivier was in talks for this, but like she kind of says like. Oh, Olivier's like got prostate, or like, do you know what I mean? He's got like, yeah, got cancer or something yeah. like that. And it's like, oh yeah, that is that is why he kind of passed on it because he was too ill. He couldn't even, yeah, he couldn't fly out to America. He was like that ill or something like that. Um, and then it's brought on to the fact, and uh, Andrew Eastman tries to shut it down, explaining that Marlon Brando might not be a good choice for the Don because of. Uh, he's basically poison at this point. He's hard to work with. He's he's a difficult man. It all, his last four yeah. movies flopped, right? Bombed, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but that's she, quite... Sorry, I was just saying, that's quite a clever way because if you... We all... We're all waiting for Brando. Like I am, as someone who's not as burst in the Godfather as other people, I, I I like the Godfather, but I'm waiting for your big players to come in. 
So it's quite a clever scene in the sense of the, the programme, where even people who are not a massive fans of The Godfather will get those real, you know, the deep dive stuff. But if you watch The Godfather, you know Brando. And you, if you've got a passing interest in films, you know Brando. So these little hints all the time of, oh, we should get Brando. Where's Brando? You're kind of going, oh, we know he's coming. Yeah, there's that scene at the beginning as well, right, where, like, um, Mario and uh, Francis are talking about, like, Brando, and they say how, um, like, uh, Mario wrote him a letter, and he's like, he's, he's the only guy for it. Like, he's like, you wouldn't even have to write anything. He's like, he, 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 is, he is the Don. And I just, I don't know. We keep saying <laughs> yeah, that, like, it, it, the passion from those two, I could... Give me a fucking give, give me the Francis and Mario show. Oh, absolutely. There's a there's a every time they're on screen together, just the two of them. There's other bits when they're on screen, but when it's the two of them writing, and again, like you said, that bit then with um, I wrote him a letter. I wrote him a, a, I signed I sent him a signed copy of the book. You know, in the hope that again it's a hint of Brown, but just their interplay. There's another scene later with these two being absolute legends. But yeah, it, those two I could watch. I can just watch series of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Andrea Eastman gives them like one one good thing because she says that Vic uh, Vic Damone is interested in playing uh, Johnny Fontaine, so they fly to Vegas to meet him. <laughs> and uh, well, yeah. What do you think of That's this? What... what do you think of this scene? Like, I really like that bit because it again is that you could almost. Well, where is he? He's in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Had it been a di- if, if this was a parody, they would have hundred percent high fived over the table. You would have seen the plane going across the across the map, and they would have been. But yeah, he's in Vegas. But yeah, I and then they obviously get to Vegas. I love that bit with uh, Francis as well. Like they're kind of like the schmoozing, and he's like, "Oh, my mum was a massive fan. She like nearly wore out the vinyl. I had to go to film school just to get some peace and quiet." And he's like, "Peace and quiet." Yeah. He's, like, he's like, "Flattery works on me, pal." Like he's like, uh, "He's like, I love, I love pattern. I love you. I love, I love, I love the book." And he says to Al Roddy, "He's like, I'm sure I find something to love about you." And he's like. Well, I'm the man cashing the checks. He's like, well, there you go. We've uh, perfect. We've found something to love about you. <laughs> and then he says to he says to Pooza, doesn't he? He says, uh, "Come on, it's it's Sinatra, isn't it?" And then Pooza says, "No, Fontaine is you." <laughs> yeah. And it get, it kind of goes silent for a second, right? There is an element yeah, of like, oh. is it kind of like, oh fuck, what do you mean he's me? Like, and uh, well, we get like immediately. We get we get Sinatra and how I yeah, your feelings on the the what what are your feelings on the portrayal of Sinatra this week? They were a bit like lukewarm last week, right? It's still a bit lukewarm on it because this but then that's kind of it's in keeping with the show. It is like caricature Sinatra, guy on the phone, like He's getting a so ma- kind of, he's I, getting a massage, right, in Palm Springs or whatever. Yeah, or he's like, fucking like <laughs> it is properly caricature, but then it is in keep. Like I said, it's in keep with the show. That I think that's what it is. We're not. We're not. I think we're getting what we think Sinatra is. I don't think they're trying to do anything else, and I quite like that because it 
it is that breezy fun. We're not trying to like, I don't know what you haven't seen. I haven't seen any more than this. Maybe we'll get some deep insight into who Sinatra is. I doubt it. But and I'm get, fine with that. I guess there's an aspect for some people, it might be a bit of a shock because some people's like view of Sinatra that he's like, uh, do you know what I mean? Like the blue eyed boy, like really nice and stuff like that. And kind of like, he did have serious mob connections and he was, he could be a bit of a prick and stuff like that. And like, I think this show is like really painting him out to be like, oh, he's a fucking, he's an arsehole. No, oh, yeah, they're not fucking about with the, the Sonata dick levels because he's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Big he's point. a hateful little dick. And I, I just, I got, I, I just can't, like, I find it so funny, like how het up, like Sinatra is and the mob, and like how he's like pestering, like immediately gets on the phone to Joe Colombo, and he's like, "That thing I told you is a sod. It hasn't been sodded yet." He's like, he's like, "You said you were gonna sod it," and like even Joe Colombo's kind of at his wick's end with him because as soon as he he like. Hangs on the phone, he's like, oh, fuck this guy. Fuck this guy. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> and um, I'm not sure if you noticed, but we get uh, the, the the guy who tells him that Sinatra's on the phone is uh, Lou Ferrigno. The fucking Lou Ferrigno, yeah. The, the, uh, the Incredible Hulk himself, who, um, from, like, looking at IMDb, um, who he is playing in this, it is uh, perfect casting because he is playing um, did it, did it, Lenny Montana, who would go on to be Luca Brazzi in The Godfather. So, like, mm. fucking... Yeah. Lou Ferrigno is perfect casting. He could kind of do that, like, yeah. really, like, oh, uh, oh. Uh, <laughs> like, like, like I, I come here on the day of, of like do that bumbling like moron thing that like Luca Bratz has to do and there's like oh yeah there's like whole stories about um like uh yeah like Lenny Montana on set and I think the the take they use in the film where he fucks up what he says like to the dot was was a rehearsal take but they just thought it was so good like that he's so like nervous and like kind of like a bumbling idiot and stuff like that that they left it in and um yeah Lou yeah Lou Ferrigno is uh it's, it's, but yeah it's, it's a casting perfect 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 casting um so I, I I think this is a really tense scene that we get is when Joe Colombo goes to meet Carlo Gambini uh Cam, Gambino what, what do you what do you what do you make of this thing because this is kind of like real so there's real sinister edge to it, right? Real mob shit. Yeah, it's perfect. This the first time you get real mob shit. <laughs> like, and you do get a sense of that. Like, it, it's the first time where it almost calms down a bit. The mob stuff, where the, the caricatures, this over the top, like again, the, this, oh, what you'd expect from the mob stuff. It's the first time we've got a bit of quiet chat and it's laid on the line it within the mob stuff and yeah i i it's almost a t- it could almost come out of a different show you could almost whack that scene in like the sopranos or something like that because it is quite a tense serious scene there's not 
like most of the other scenes we've got, even with the dark stuff, there's some kind of funny line or funny quip of sorts, but there's nothing in this. It's just a straight down the line meeting. And I think it's that thing where obviously like um, Joe Colombo is like a, a new guard of, or like, a, like yeah, he's, he's, he's just been introduced to the commission of like the kind of mobster. He's just, yeah, got a seat at the table. And we've got like Carlo Gambino, who's like the old guard. Whereas like Joe Colombo's handling himself almost like in the way that like Bob Evans is. Do you know what I mean? A bit mover, shaker, like he wants the spotlight. He started up this, he started up this, uh, yeah, like this league and stuff like that. And like Carlo Gambino's kind of saying to him, like, you should have got someone else to, to front this. You should have got, um, should have got Biaggi, like the congressman. Like you should have got someone else. Like this is not what we do. Like this is not how we handle ourselves. And then, like I guess it ties into like what what the what the Godfather is and the way that portrays um, mobsters. Because what is it he says to him? He's like stay in the shadows. It's stay in the shadows. Done. Yeah. Like and it's like, I think that line is like really like fucking. Hell, that's pretty. Yeah, that is. It's pretty sinister. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, got got to give a shout out to um, oh, what is his name? Um, Anthony uh, Skidori. Um, I might have got that wrong, but uh, the actor who plays yeah Carlo is fantastic. Like, I think he's like a real, real kind of yeah. Anthony uh, Anthony Scordi, yeah, who plays who plays Gambino is. I don't know. He just he just delivers a level of menace that's really like really great. I thought. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's because when that happens, that underplayed little performance. There's so many so much big stuff in it. I think that's probably why it's played so well, and that scene is so sinister in the sense of in the rest of the show. Because obviously you've got Bob Evans doing his thing, and even. Risby in that scene is pretty dialed down. He's not giving it the 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 big the big one. It's a it's a it's a, a moment of quiet. Yeah, a moment of quiet. Again, sinister. It is, and he's put on the back foot, right? Like Joe Colombo is like a figure of like you've got to stay in line a bit here. Like you've you've kind of overstepped the mark. Like you're you're, you're doing things in a new way, and that's not how we that's not how things are done around these parts, lads. so um the 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 the, yeah the next the the next one we get is back back to vegas baby and it's showtime it's razzle dazzle they're going to see uh vic damone and uh that's when we get that moment of uh mario like trying to tuck into a cake and it's I guess Al is sticking by his words that he said to Eric Puzo that he's not going to let him kind of gorge himself. And he's like, no, nah, that cake's coming away from you. But um, again, we like, I guess it's the first time as well that Mario and Francis get to see the kind of real world implications of how much like people want this film stopped, right? Because that guy interrupts the show to be like, hey, Vic, I heard you're going to be playing Johnny Fontaine in The Godfather, and he kind of like, like he knows the score. He knows somebody has sent sent this guy and like shits a brick on stage, right? And is like, oh no, they they, they, they were interested for me for the part, but uh, I, I think I'm going to pass. 
I would never was it I would never lend my name to something with such an extreme bias. Yes. And you could and the Coppola Puzo and um Ruddy obviously realise and go, oh. But doesn't he even lay a boot into Mario? No, does no, no, no. A couple of people lay a boot into Puzo, but he's not one of them, is he? Like he doesn't He's that. not <laughs> <laughs> He he lays off Puzo. Everyone else has a pot. But yeah. he doesn't. I think at least like three people in this episode call Mario Puzo a traitor. <laughs> they do. Every, t- every time anyone else, apart from the gang, mention Puzo, it's to call him a, a traitor. The, yeah. Every, there's three times. Yeah. He's literally called a traitor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, and yeah, they realize it's a message from Frank Sinatra and you get Francis like defeated and kind of um he, he looks quite drunk as well right and he's like look this film's yeah. gonna get made and there's a there's a line in that with the again so over the top and he like sinatra is this force to be reckoned with when uh, francis says to uh, ruddy he says um what just happened and ruddy says sinatra happens yeah like, Sinatra I like it though. I like it. This is like Yeah, I'm on board with it. I love it. This is like the kind of entertainment I like. Do you know what I mean? It's like that thing of I don't know. Other do you mean like other kind of people like shows have been catered to them and it's like like whether it's I don't know. I'm trying to think like in regards to like fun stuff fun content has been created for people. Do you know what I mean? Like some people like l- lap at the taint of like uh, Love Island and stuff like that. And that's, that's made for a certain type of person. It's like this show very much feels like, and uh, it's just like, oh, this is like purpose built. Like not just because of the podcast I'm doing, but just because of my general interests in films. It's like, oh, this is kind of made for me. It's like something I'm really interested in, like, Hundred percent, and like it also, I like the fact that it does do that, and it is for people who like films and stuff. But isn't it's not pretentious at all? It knows you. It knows it's fun. Like, again, going back to we're we're waiting for Pacino, we're we're waiting for Brando, we're waiting for and Sinatra to turn up and be Sinatra. But I like that. It's not trying to be. It's high arm exploration of the movie industry that nah, it's just fucking fun do you know what I mean that's yeah, we're why wait, I'm on board we're waiting for moments where they're like on set right and it's like they're yeah. doing scenes from the Godfather and we're seeing the kind of 360 we're seeing Francis's reactions to like a golden moment being captured or the first time we see Brando as the Don or yeah do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, the moment, the, the yeah, the moment that the the Salozzo McCluskey like shoot out goes down, and like like the reaction to that from like the studio yeah. and stuff like that. Like you're kind of waiting for these big beats, and it's like yeah, I can't. Well, this the, yeah, there's a bit in this 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 scene here with the um the show, and after they find out that they can't, you know, that he's not gonna. Um, Fontaine is not going to play. Um, sorry, Devon is not going to play Fontaine. And then 
Francis is very down and he's this is a he says this um this film is a cancer, it's not gonna happen. And and then Ruddy gives the speech. And it's a great but it, it perfectly encapsulates what kind of show it is, because you have that big moment of like, we're gonna do this with a team, and then they hug it out. Yeah. And then Puzo turns up and is like in the background with his glass of wine and something. On in on this, and it's <laughs> it kind of like encapsulates what the whole show is. It's it's doing these beats that we, it, but it it's just it's a good laugh and it's fun and enjoyable. Yeah. I think that yeah, that's that that's that, that that's what you want from this show, right? Uh, and then I don't know, like on that kind of yeah, that that upbeat note that it's left on because yeah, you kind of go like Ruddy's got an intensity to him, right? Because he's like. If you keep this in budget, if you do this, it's like, oh, fucking, like, you, you want anything, I'll fucking do it for you. And it's like, it, I think what this show is... He literally cool. says, I will die for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but I like, I like what they do is there's, like, these little quick kind of setup and payoffs because there's, like, a, a, a couple of scenes later that's paid off really well, like, where it's kind of like, oh, it's, it's laying the breadcrumbs for what, like, needs to happen next, right? Because... Francis yeah. got a big old bee in his bonnet or something that he really wants. Uh, but before we get to that, we get the moment of Betty meeting Francoise at the Chateau. Um, because Francoise beckoned her, I guess, to find out what is our hiding. And again, we, this is that scene I mentioned earlier where it's like another scene where we get to learn a bit more about Francoise and kind of like what her who she is and kind of like the kind of hard ass that she is right and her views on uh the irish as well <laughs> yeah yeah it's a, again it's a good scene between the two female characters because it's nice to see them interplaying together i'm, I'm not 100 percent sold on the francois character mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't pinpoint why i don't know I, I don't think it's, I'm not sure if it's the performances. I don't know, but like I say, I'm only two episodes in, but I do think there's going to be more to that, whether there's more into it, I don't know. But I wasn't a, I wasn't a massive fan of this scene. I don't know. It was, yeah, there's something. You I, talk it out. Well, what, is it, what is it you don't like? Well, I don't know. It just, I don't know. It just didn't sit right. I think the, the, the monologue with the, the Scots, the bourbon, the, the the bourbon and the drinks just was a bit yeah because her ropey. She's trying to like give a give this like reason as to to basically finger point a point of like are you an ally to yeah to her whole speech is like during during the Second World yeah. War the Irish didn't let anyone dock in their ports not even for ammunition not even for food. Um, and it's like okay, it's like it's like this is how much of a grudge I can hold that I won't stock Irish whiskey here, and then says to like Betty, like what is our hiding? And like I think again, Juno Temple just plays it so well in this kind of like it's Juno Temple in that scene that works for me because, like you said, there is a spark about it, and she's so watchable, but. This is one of the when this this is not a subtle show. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it is nothing subtle about it. And this is one of the, I think, the the whole monologue with that chat is where it kind of one of the bits that does fall apart for me where the subtleness is is so unsubtle in its metaphor that you go yeah I, you could have just said that and i i would have got it yeah yeah you don't need that you know it 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 it, it, it the thing is like i kind of forgive it because there is that great payoff of betty mccart's line to her where she says like i'm an ally but i'm not yours and she's kind of like Francois yeah. like I gotta hold my hands up like I respect you like I can see why Al likes you like you're you're kind of like she's there she's it's fighting a, his corner. Yeah, it's a good like just quite a, it's it's quite a lot in that scene for that payoff. Yeah, yeah. There's there, but there's like um I don't know there's a there's a great scene we might have skipped over it um there's a scene between a uh, Betty and. Andrea Eastman in this episode. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we possibly. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So what, what do you make of that scene? Because it's like visually that scene is really interesting because they, they could have just done that in an office, right? But they kind of like they're zipping about the Paramount lot on a on a kind of little bike. yeah in, in the golf cart yeah and through like, the lot there's loads yeah. of stuff going on and it's interesting and it makes the scene kind of this I don't know yeah again it's 
what I think what 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 this there's a lot of stuff that goes on in this, but it still has breathing room to just tell you about characters, and that I think that's what that scene does, right? And it kind of I don't know for a for a time that would have been very kind of man focused, like a lot of like male figures in in Hollywood, kind of gives a moment to be like, oh, we got these kind of we've got a woman who is the head of casting in that this kind of male centric thing and we've got this kind of woman who is very much like the backbone to what al ruddy is doing and the kind of like you know um i don't know propping him up and like kind of really giving him a hand and like i really i really like that scene the kind of like what yeah like could drag i don't know kind of pulls this narrative into the 21st century and kind of shining a spotlight on these female characters yeah, it's, it's a it's a nice moment for like you say, it's a busy drag. There's a lot of stuff going back in the background. There's just some centurions walking past and things. I think if I remember, it's like a welder as well. So it's obviously like the choreography of that has got to be like, yeah. And I imagine because obviously this is produced by Paramount that they've they've got license to be able to film it all on like the Paramount backlot, maybe like on yeah, a yeah, or something. And I wonder if there was maybe. I don't know, I've looked into it, maybe I should, that maybe that was an in-joke as well, or something that was being filmed at the same time with the Centurions, I don't know, but yeah, it's all going on in the background, but the the interplay between the two in the golf cart where they, they're chatting is really interesting, because there's a comment about the skirt and things, and it does, it brings it, it's a little, they slip in these scenes, which sometimes it's, frivolous like the robert evans party scene or maybe not but there's there's these little scenes which again not slow it down in the sense of the sort but quiet it down a bit because it's so big oh. quiet it down we have these little interplays between characters and it's it's really good yeah and yeah there is an element of it like with that i think that robert evans scenes more than anything is like let's just have a bit of fun like let's kind of show people like let's show people some of the glitz and glamour of of hollywood and like absolutely what it would have been like back in those days it kind of that scene almost reminds me of uh the nice guys as well there's that kind of party scene in that like like it kind of yeah Yeah. again it's not subtle at all because what does he not walk out onto his balcony and literally look out at the hollywood side yeah 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 and not subtle at all but it's kind of you're getting the vibe of Robert Evans. Definitely, definitely. Well, I think that kind of leads us great back into like because we get the second time that they're back in the casting office, kind of having arguments over like what what they want, and uh, there's all these Robert yeah Andrew Eastman's got all these Robert Redford knockoffs uh, like auditioning to play Michael and like um, Copeland's like. I can't stand another guy getting Corleone wrong. He's like, Corleone, Corleone. I can't stand it. He's like, there's one guy for the job, and that is Al Pacino. (laughs) Yeah, what do you you got? I don't know. Like, is there much to say about that scene? Yeah, again, because I... well, it's like almost like needle drop moments, like yeah. Sinatra, and then there's only one guy in it, Al Pacino, because we are all, we, they know we're all waiting for these big players to be in it. Uh-huh. And, so and, it, yeah. 
and the thing is at this point as well is obviously like in the history of it al pacino is like a nobody like he's just about to star in his first ever film panic in needle park but like yeah he's an yeah. off-broadway guy and he's kind of like this um i don't know like there is i can understand why critics have taken given it a bit of a kick in with and I suppose this scene is kind of because it's quite exposition heavy. If you're versed in cinema, do you know what I mean? If you're versed in cinema, you go, hmm, I don't. They wouldn't talk this. But from someone who's just watching the show, you kind of do need to know that that Al Pacino has not always been Al Pacino. Mm, yeah, yeah. And there's no, for yeah. So I think for a, for an audience who are not like. Are aware of Al Pacino being in The Godfather, aware of Al Pacino is. To you do need that stuff where they say, well, for not only for the dramatic reasons, but so people are first in it know. So you go, oh, you do know he is just on off Broadway and he's only just making it that so I can understand why it's got to kick in for this lack of subtlety in that things, but I think it's quite a good scene because it does set up again, because there will be people who are sitting there. Who are just fans of the Godfather, who've seen the Godfather, who are just interested in it, will be waiting for the names you know. Yeah, yeah. Pacino, and, and Brando. I, I, I think younger generations as well. There is, like you said, and I guess even like people who don't know the ins and outs, like you just think of Al Pacino, you think he's always been a star. And like a lot of people don't realize that The Godfather was his breakout movie. Like, yeah, well, like a second yeah, one out exactly, the gate, like, and it's like that's his kind of I've arrived movie. Like Panic and Needle Park for a long time was like a curio. Like it's still like oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So his name is synonymous with the Godfather. So like like I said last week, my other half, it, it's not. She wouldn't be aware of. Again, I suppose she would have the same thing where Al Pacino is one of the the greatest actors of all time. Yeah. So it's always Al Pacino. She's, it's always been Al Pacino. So you would need that in to go, oh, but he wasn't before then because he is synonymous with The Godfather. So you assume he was massive already. Yeah, or he'd, been, he'd, he'd done a few like films. You know I mean? Yeah. Like, he was already Pacino. Not that like there would be, I don't know, arguments about the fact that, like, he isn't, yeah. like, do you know what I mean? Like, ah, he's not right for this. He's too short. He's, like, he's not the kind of, he's not what was in vogue in Hollywood at that time. Do you know what I mean? He's kind of, I don't know, he's he's real world looking. Do you know what I mean? He, he looks like an actual person. He doesn't look like a Hollywood star as such. Do you know what I mean? Oh, he's not. He's not Robert Evans' type. He's not Robert Evans' type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what Andrew Easton says. Yeah. She's like, yeah. he's not Robert Evans' type. He's like, which is a great thing. He's like, yeah, he hasn't got a date. He hasn't got to date him. Like, he's just got to put him in a picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, like, oh, speaking of Bob Evans, we get this moment where he tries to sneak a meeting with Charlie Blue Dawn and fucking gets to lay the boot into Barry at yeah, what do you what, what, what do you think of this? It's a banger. <laughs> it's really wait. What does he? Um, yeah, you you're a fucking accountant. You're a fucking yeah. He's like yeah. He's like, he's like 
go back to go back to worry about the stocks or drinking water down drinks or whatever the fuck you do. Like it's just like <laughs> Did he call him I don't know if it's is it now that he calls him a no talent prick? <laughs> I think he says that to somebody else. Uh, think, yeah, yeah. yeah, he definitely calls him you you're a you fucking accountant. And I thought, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it has a great payoff line. Bob Evans is the movies. Yeah. Yeah. And like you get to see as well like how kind of and it's I think it's greatly played by Colin Hanks. The pettiness of uh Barry, where he's like he just like shouts at his secretary to close the door and it's like what a fucking yeah. weasel. Do you know what I mean? Like, what an absolute weasel. It's like that thing of, like, he's just been so emasculated, especially, like, on home turf as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like yeah, it's like, it's like being in a football team and, like, losing at your home ground, like a proper, like, 5-0 five, five <laughs> spanking he's just got in his own yeah. office. And you've got Jack Ballard really... sitting there like, oh, hello, Bob. <laughs> oh, yeah, because it, 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 then he's telling to leave. There's, but I say... No, you can leave me alone. He says you can leave. Bob Evans says, you, you stay. You fucking sit down. <laughs> yeah, great. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, and then uh, we get we get this, and and I've I've got the whole scene here because I just think this is like this is a, a fantastic scene, and I guess it's yeah one of these reasons that I think both of us would love to see a uh, a Francis and Mario show. Look, maybe Sonny should show Michael what to do. You know, the older brother showing the younger brother the ropes. No. No, I love what you did in the novel. It has to be Clemenza. Clemenza's like your uncle. He, he's got the warmth. He can stand in for Michael's father. Instead of the uncle teaching you how to tie a tie, he's teaching him how to kill two guys. Yes, yes. yes. And why is your detail so magnificent? Because... The repetition, okay? When Clemenza says to Michael, he says it over and over again to him, Michael, when you kill Salasso, you have to remember you let your hand go down by your side and you drop the gun. That's perfect. Follow me. Okay, so we cut to Michael. He kills Salasso. He kills McCluskey. But then... He holds on to the gun. He doesn't let it drop. He hangs on for too long. He does not listen to Clemenza. Why? Why aren't you listening to Clemenza, Michael? Why are you hesitating in the tension? The tension is building. Why? Why? We're wondering, why Why are you not listening to Clemenza, Michael? And just when we can't take it anymore, that's when he lets it fall. And we're okay again. We, we know that Michael's gonna be fine. Why does this seem beautiful? Because it's not just the death of Salazzo and McCluskey, it's the death of who Michael could have been. He goes all the way from being the total outsider of his family and the transformation to becoming the leader of the Corleone family has begun right here in this scene. Say all of that again. <laughs> it's moments like that, right, where you're like, you feel Straight. like you're peeking behind the curtain or something. Like you feel like you're the, I don't know, for me, I feel like I'm there with those two guys. It's a, it's a sense that shivers up my spine, like Yeah, hundred percent 
again, like you said, I could watch that for eight episodes. Not a problem. I like, I don't know, like Dan Fogler, like he's somebody I've never like. I don't know. Much. I remember seeing him in Balls of Fury years ago, like on Sky or something like that. But like, he's not a guy who like I don't know. Like I I know much about or. I think I saw him in the first uh, Fantastic Beast film. I thought like, oh, he's he, he's fine. He's affable. Like he's an he's, he's like a nice guy. I haven't seen an yeah like loads of his like filmography, but in this, he feels like he's really like dedicated to it. He's like he's he, he's there. Like there's, there's obviously a a very distinct look that he has. He looks like Coppola as well. He's kind of like. Yeah, I think he's I mean, he's great casting. And I was worried. Like, when oh I, yeah. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, they've just got Dan Fogler because he looks a bit like Coppola. Do you know what I mean? And I, I think that is a that is a thing you worry about with these shows. It's like, have they have they got people who can like? Do you know what I mean? It's like it, it comes back to the oh, like, yeah. walk the line thing where it's like, uh, Joaquin Phoenix looks nothing like Johnny Cash, but like in that world, you believe him as that world's Johnny Cash, whereas like yeah, yeah. sometimes you're worried like, oh, have they just got somebody because they look like the person they're, do you know what I mean? Like, I guess like now would be a yeah, hot, yeah. hot button thing of talking about Austin Butler, where it's like, he looks like Elvis. Was... Like, do you know what I mean? But like, I don't know, like, can he be Elvis? And well, from what I've heard, like, he does a bang up job. Apparently so, yeah. But like, yeah, it, it's, I think something like, as you say, it's, he obviously he's, he's capturing. So what? Oh, it sounds really wanky, but capturing the essence of Coppola. Do you know what I mean? The, the passion and stuff, which is half the battle. It's all very well looking like someone, but if you're not capturing the mannerisms, the it's not about doing an impression of someone. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah. can do as as we've showed, we can. Do spot on impressions of people. It doesn't mean we are there. No, I'm not. I'm, you know? I'm not Giovanni Rabisi playing Joe Colombo. No, but it's, it's <laughs> unbelievable, but true. Like, but yeah. So yeah, I mean, he, he's casting the essence. Oh, sounds terrible, but the yeah. essence of the whole Coppola and the same with Puzo. I don't know much about Puzo, but that, that, that interplay, you can tell they are absolutely bouncing off each other. And as you said, I, I didn't know this, but that relationship. Was apparently like that. Well, yeah. So, um, yeah, I was telling you uh, off, off, off mic about this that uh, Patrick Gallo and Dan Fogler, uh, <laughs> Patrick Gallo needed somewhere to live, and like Dan Fogler was like, "All right, let's go method with this," and like just let him live with him. So he's like his roommate. So for three weeks of shooting this, they lived together, and it's like that's just great like so they 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 really got to kind of like know each other and i guess they probably yeah ate pasta dishes together and we're probably talking about the script for the offer in the way that these guys are talking about the script for the godfather and it's like oh yeah, yeah i don't know i don't know I'd, I'd almost like to see that show as well it's like a met do you know what i mean like, i'd love that i would love it if they had the conversation about did you eat my ham sandwich <laughs> in real life yeah 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 He's, he's there going, uh, Patrick, like, did you go into the fridge without me? Uh, uh, like, this is my house. Like, uh, or if it's the other way, 
like, do you know what I mean? Like Dan Fogler was really like, uh, really pernickety about like, did you eat my ham sandwich? Like, <laughs> like a role reversal. Um, so yeah, like, like I don't know, I I love that scene. I, 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 I feel like I'm flogging a dead horse's head here, but um, nice. Where yeah, I I I just any moment with these two on screen is an absolute joy like especially when it's yeah, just 100%. together um so we move on to the introduction of congressman biaggi and al roddy going to see him about filming in new york and again like i think what this show manages to do pretty well and especially in this episode is give us these kind of i don't know light of touch exciting moments and then like bring it down and this really serious conversation about like and i think biaggi is another one who calls uh puso a traitor right he's like he's the kind of he's, he's the third one out of it he's like he's like he's, he's number three in the trilogy yeah yeah he's like he's like that yeah he's like um if i had my way this script wouldn't be made at all not even not even not even like in new york i wouldn't have this film made at all and it's kind of i guess it's a it's an insult to heritage and puzo is a traitor what a fucking line poor puzo yeah um but and i I guess it leaves the breadcrumbs to the prospect that like the mob are closing in on ruddy right in the fact that he's like these people there's other people who are who are upset about this and they will see you at some point like and it's like it's not just me like <laughs> yeah um, the, again we we we're, we're ramping up the threat yes yes there's there's a there's a constant ramping up of how bad it could be for them well um that's not the only reason that Al and Francoise are in New York, is it? What, what? What? Why else are they in New York, uh, Will? Well, they might be going to meet a Mister Pacino. A Mister Cappuccino. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. uh, sorry. Yeah, they're no, going to meet his brother Al Pacino. Uh, so they, yeah, they, we, we get our first glimpse of Michael Ippolito as Al Pacino, kind of stood outside the theater with his adoring fans it's kind of like uh all in a rose yeah yeah al ruddy and uh um francois smoke cigarettes kind of looking on upon him saying like what 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 a bang up job he did then take him to dinner and this scene was one that kind of got shared about before the the premiere of this show and a lot of people had issue with it because of well let, let's play it this is this is michael ippolito as al pacino where do you put it uh, i'm not sure i'm a starving artist but i'm definitely a starving actor <laughs> i hope you don't mind i ordered the menu out listen you agree to read for michael i'll take you to chasen's once a week until you die <laughs> oh well uh, i read the book uh, it's not bad but uh I don't know. Uh, you know. Michael's the lead, right? One of them, yeah. He's the Don in waiting. You see, that's my problem, Al. I, I, uh, I guess I just don't see myself as a lead. Really? 
But you're such a talent. Oh, and you're very kind. Thank you. Uh, how about Sonny? Hmm? Now, now that's a role I'd be interested in taking a real big swing at. Sonny's a great character. He's certainly a big impact player in this, but we really want you for Michael. Who's we? Well, it's myself and Francis Ford Coppola. Coppola? Uh, I thought you said uh, Pujo is writing. What, what's Coppola doing? Francis is co-writing and directing. And I'll be straight with you, Al. You're all he talks about. <laughs> Coppola knows who I am. He thinks you're the only person alive that can pull this off. Uh, he said that? He did. He also said, I cannot let you leave this dinner until you agree to read for Michael. Those were his orders. Here's what I'll do. I'm gonna order three desserts, and then I'll agree to read for you. How's that sound? It's music to my ears. All right. Uh, excuse me. So, we've got to, this is, feels like the elephant in the room. Um, Michael Ippolito as Al Pacino. What, what, what do you make of this performance, Will? So I saw this scene before the show came out because it was quite widely shared on the old, uh, the old socials and stuff. Yeah, because obviously like, American listeners, like th- this is probably old hat because Paramount Plus mm-hmm. has just launched in the UK, whereas in the US it's kind of this. I'm not sure how this show dropped, if it was all in one go or kind of weekly, but this has kind of been out for a while in the US at this point, right? Yeah, so this scene appeared on, and I think, well, there was a already a backlash because of the, I, I, the reason I saw it because someone had tweeted the scene with a quote tweet of "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> so I think, out of context, the scene. Is oh, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it without seeing the rest of it. But I'm 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 not hundred percent sold watching this on the Pacino portrayal. But I have read that it's spot on as it goes on. So I don't know, but I wasn't sold. Yeah, there's Al Pacino seems like one of a weird like a weird guy to to try and do a summation of right like especially trying to get that voice like i think that is where this this might fall down it's like oh, mama starving i'd like to try yeah it's all a bit like i'm, I'm not a starving artist but i'm a starving actor like it's just quite i don't know it, it, whether it's because maybe it is part of because like we said earlier about the whole Pacino thing, is maybe because we're so now used to later Pacino. Hoo-ha. The hoo-ha Pacino, yeah. That that portrayal of Pacino, we're like, what the f- Do you know what I mean? So maybe that's part of it. Maybe if we went back and watched, uh, when I went back and watched interviews of Pacino in that era, it's spot on. I don't know, but yeah. I'm not sold from this. 
Well, maybe for next week, what I'll do is is I'll pull a clip of Pacino talking in this show and try and find an interview from around this time, and we can we can we we can hash it out. But I don't know. I like, I like the fact that they're kind of. It doesn't seem like Pacino is. I don't know from from what I'm getting from this episode, like whether he's gonna play a mate. Like, do you know what I mean like? it's not his story do you know what i mean it's kind of it's the it's the the creators of it and he might pop in here and there but like we'll like do you know what i mean like which i think is i'm on board i i i, I like that because we don't as much as i enjoy the little um these people popping in the players popping in like i also don't want I'm waiting for Brando and I was waiting for Pacino, but I don't want it to become that story. Uh-huh. I want, I want to just see Brando yeah. and have those moments of that, but I still want that, the, the Francis, the Puzo, that kind of thing going on. So yeah, in, in, a, in that, from that point of view, yeah, I'm, it's fine. But if, Pacino and those if that if this is where we're at where Pacino's gonna we're gonna get a lot more of that I'm not sure (laughs) um yeah I kind of I kind of I don't know I'm interested to see where that character goes and obviously that performance like it's gotta be tough for Michael Ippolito as well the fact that like anyone tasked with the job of portraying somebody who is so kind of ingrained within people's like day psyches and like do you know what I mean their their film knowledge. Yeah and absolutely you know and like I said we I've only seen this scene so far so with Pacino but it must be difficult because again there's so many people who do impressions of Pacino who yeah. do the whole harm and the any given Sunday speech and that where's big Pacino that it must be difficult and it's oh yes, yeah, it's an like it's a hard task to then portray early Pacino and not go full Pacino. What, what, what do so you I think, think that's about, where. What do you think about the way he looks? Does he look like Pacino, or like a, at least like is he close enough? Like, yeah, I think so. I think mean, I need to. I do. I, I think I'll need to see more of that because it's just the same with the Coppola thing. We, uh, in the first episode, we I was saying, like the Puzo stuff, it was almost like he was a I keep saying caricature, but it is over that. But hey, I'm on board with that now. Like I'm on board with Risby. I'm up I think it's the kind of show where again, it, it could I don't really know. Pacino could be played massive, but he hasn't, because it's early Pacino. So yeah, maybe by the second the, the next episode, I'll be like Oh, yeah, he's got the the wanky phrase, the essence of Pacino. Oh, yeah. But uh, from this bit, I yeah, it was just a bit. Ooh, <laughs> I don't know. So let's kind of uh, start to wind this down. Talk about like kind of closing scenes of this. So we get a scene that has been has been has been mentioned in, in the IMDb trivia. Somebody from the um, from the Colombo family has said that this never actually happened but we get a scene of bob evans 
finding a dead rat in a in a jacket of the Godfather in his bed, uh, which I obviously wouldn't have happened. But like, I think as an audience member, you're like, oh, they're just doing a nice little nod to the horse's head, right? There's that. That's what that moment is. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't care. I don't care if it didn't happen. I think that's again going back to. I think this kind of stuff. It's again, this show is fun and it's a nod like you say a nod to the horse's head and of course you need a nod to the horse's head, the horse's head because like we've said not everyone knows the exact, but everyone knows that about the godfather everyone knows that scene it's been parodied so many times and it's common part like everyone knows the horse's head in the back yeah. so yeah why not reference it and why not if it didn't happen it didn't happen but it's an in for everyone yeah, to yeah, enjoy exactly and it kind of leads to the to the kind of climax of this episode where al ruddy is then called by bob evans and kind of in a panic it's like i'm getting the fuck out of new york and i'm going back to la and kind of beckons him outside and he's in the car and he's like uh just kind of yeah like incensed he's like well you've got to and again, it kind of doubles down on this point of like, you've got to speak to these people and sort this out. Like, if you want this film made, you've got to basically give him carte blanche to get into bed with the mob and like make a deal to make this happen if 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 you want this to happen. And it's kind of a bit like, okay, like maybe Bob Evans is responsible for if, if Al Ruddy does make a deal with him. Well, also, it, it, it's Matthew being great Manic Evans. It's the first time we've seen proper Manic Evans, like Manic, when he says, um, is that a fucking... And he says, um, are you comfortable? And he's like, oh, get out of the fucking car. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's Manic at this point. He's a man on the edge. Oh, definitely, definitely. And um, and then, it, yeah, it leads to... It leads to Al Ruddy going like, yeah, he goes up, goes to, he goes to bed, and then the next morning, he's kind of up early. Obviously, things are weighing on his mind, and um, he just needs, in his mind, he needs to get this New York shit sorted out, right? And he's kind of like says to Francois, he's like, I'm going out, I'm going to, um, I'm going to get this stuff sorted, and he's he's accosted by one of Joe Colombo's guys, right? And how, yeah, how does, how does, how does this episode end, Will? Well, he's going to get some croissants. And a coffee. For, yeah, croissants and a coffee. And then he gets um, approached by uh, some uh, people with a gun in the waistband. And he's going to go, he's got to get in the car. Get in the car. And that's pretty much where where apart from there's another Bob Evans moment, isn't it? With that I'd forgotten Bob Evans is the story. Where Yes, 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 so, yes, yes. Yeah, I, there's a little insight into Bob Evans's mind space where he's looking like shit because he's gone disappearing. And he says that he's handed a newspaper and he's told and he says, Oh, he's um the Godfather and they're like, No. You're the story. And it's almost, again, a little... Because he, he's the story, he knows there's a little 
someone's obviously is, is it I think it's implied that it's been leaked that he's a story is that right well no it, it, it's put on the paper that he's on his way out like like he might ah, be, of course yeah he might be fired from Paramount and he's like there and he's like at, at, at the at the breakfast with um, Peter Bart because Peter Bart I, I, I love I love even though um, Bob Evans looks like shit Peter Bart says to him like you look pretty rough, and he's like, "I still look better than you, Bobby." Like he's like he's still like, <laughs> yeah. he's still like, he's like <laughs> yeah. And then like he realizes he's like fucking Barry. It's like Barry's done me over here. He's like, "This, yeah, this yeah. is his kind of payback for me making him look like a fool." Is he's like leaked some information, or like he's kind of said to the uh, Variety that like yeah, Bob Evans is on his way out of Paramount or something like that, just to put the fucking spooks up him did you think like he when they said to him um you are the story there was a little twinkle in bob evans's eyes that he was the story oh what like oh yeah like it's yeah about like you. yeah yeah i am I, the story i think he's a bit worried though especially because what the story is oh yeah like, he sees it as like a bit of competitive rivalry with barry right he's like fuck that guy He's like, he's almost like a, a look on his face of like, well played, Barry. Like, you're like, you fucking yeah. want to play this move. Yeah, like, well played. Um, what back to that kind of final moment. Sorry, yeah. That, that, that we were talking about. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Thanks for pulling us up on that moment. Um, but um, this episode ends on a line that is in The Godfather where uh, it, uh, one of the guys in the car just says, take the bridge which is like um, said when Michael is picked up by Salozzo's men in, in, in when he's going to the meetup for Salozzo and McCluskey. And I just really like, I really love those little touches where it's like really subtle. Do you know what I mean? Like, like in that first episode where that guy says like, leave the cannoli and stuff like that. Or like, like, yeah, with the, I don't know, the, the rat in the bed, it's a bit more like, over whereas this is a like it's just it is just a quote from the film and if you know it you know it if you don't like it's kind of like yeah it's not again it's a nice touch for people who do know it but it's not making you feel stupid for not knowing it yeah 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 which is what which is nice which is i think that this this show has got the absolute balance right where i'm not because i'm it Got me, but like, if I wasn't completely aware of all the history of The Godfather and everything around it, I'd be watching it going, oh, this isn't for me, I don't get it. But it does, it spoon-feeds you, like we said earlier, it spoon-feeds you that stuff for Pacino and it spoon-feeds you some things, which is nothing wrong with that because not everyone knows the ins and outs of it. But it also does that nice thing where, like, I, I complete that, passed over me that line because I didn't even think about it until you've just said but it's given you that yeah do you know what I mean so it's, it's, it is doing a bit for everyone exactly and there's nothing with it and it make it, it makes for kind of like rewatchability, right because you can kind of finish this series go oh I'm going to watch The Godfather again and then go back through it and then you're going do you know what I mean you're like the Leonardo DiCaprio meme of like, ah, oh, 
that bit's from there, that yeah. bit's from there, that yeah, yeah. that's a reference to that. And it's kind of like, yeah, kind of puts a little like, and yeah, there's there's a smug smile on my face when I pick up on these things. And it's like, I don't know, like, I feel like, I guess I feel like the comic book nerds when they, like, they see a panel from from a from a Marvel comic or a yeah. DC comic put up on the screen. They're like, oh, I read that issue when it came out. And it's like kind of the thing like, oh, I've watched The Godfather so much that I pick up on this like throwaway line. <laughs> yeah, or like a reference to Jurassic Park and something. Like... Exactly, yes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, yeah. Um, so with this episode, like uh, as, as we did with the last one, um, are we going to push forward? Are we going to take the bridge to uh, to to another episode? Uh, Will or do, do do you suggest other people do? Like with this one, yeah. Are we gonna are we gonna are we are we gonna take the offer? I oh, know. Are we gonna are we gonna leave the gun and take the offer, or are we gonna leave the offer and take the cannoli? I'm absolutely taking the cannoli. Again, yeah, hundred percent. I'm taking the gun. I'm in. I'm on board. I'm genuinely. If I hadn't have had stuff to do this, I would have absolutely smashed through these. I'm really into it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm excited. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's weird because it, it, I was a little bit. Well, like we said last week when we first watched, it, I was like, ah, it's not. It's not the show I thought it was going to be, but it absolutely turns out to be the show I need. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I think like the kind of, again, it's left it on a nice little cliffhanger where it's like, oh, Al Ruddy is now like, he's deep. He's deep in it. Do you know what I mean? He's kind of like the the, the two worlds that we've kind of been, that we've seen so far are going to violently collide in the fact of like Hollywood, the mob. Like this is this is it. Like um, well, yeah, that's uh, a great place to leave this episode. And um, anyone listening, and yeah, uh, anyone interested, um, check out a documentary that is on. I think you can watch it on YouTube. It's called the The Godfather and the Mob, and it's all about like the kind of. The uh, like, yeah, it's a BBC documentary, I believe, but it's on YouTube, and it's all about this kind of um, interplay between what happened in these kind of like, uh, um, yeah, yeah, the 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 this kind of thing between Al Ruddy and what actually happened with the mob. So, um, yeah, you're not just getting recaps and discussion about the offer here; you're getting recommendations for 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 some other viewing last week you got a recommendation for the book uh the mark seal book leave the gun take the cannoli this week you, i thought i'd give a another little recommendation for a bit of homework for people who who, who really want to know everything they can about the godfather and um i'm sure i'll run out of them pretty quickly i'm not sure if i have 10 recommendations or i have to do some research for stuff that we can recommend next week so um yeah as as ever, I've been Petrus Patsonus. Uh, again, thanks so much, Will, for joining me for this. It's gonna what we got? We got eight more weeks of this, so you, uh, I, I'm excited for where where this series is gonna go and how uh, and uh, what what wine we're gonna drink and how pissed we're gonna get each week. I'll wait. Yeah, I cannot wait for more of the offer and 
more wine. Yes. Well, um, yeah. Well, guys, uh, we'll leave you with an offer you can't refuse, and that is to uh, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on whichever podcast platform you are listening to right now. Or, uh, yeah, uh, leave, leave a five-star rating and review, and let us know what you think of the offer. If, you're, if you've jumped on this podcast because you are listening because you've been watching the offer like yeah let, let let us know as i as i teased earlier there is an interview coming in the next couple of weeks with a cast member of the show and oh boy you're not gonna want to miss it it's gonna be uh it's gonna be an absolute ham sandwich of an episode i'll tell you that for sure it's gonna be absolutely great uh so uh yeah i've been petrus patsilavus i've been will Chitch. We've been chatting the offer and we'll catch you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe ethical and responsible manufacturing I love that Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.